can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really got a stream in. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you any money to go. And that's why movies we missed. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Boyle-Hammer. And uh, before we get into the episode today, I do want to let everybody know, if you want to keep track of us on um, Instagram, if you want to keep track of us on Facebook, you can find us at Movies We Missed. If you want to see what's going on on the Twitter, then you can find us there before Kanye gets banned. We're over at MWM Chat. Uh, and yeah, Jane, I went with Boyle this week in honor of our, uh, of our heroine in this movie. Our starlet, Laura Our starlet. I decided for those... between Flynn and Boyle. I was really debating. I think Boyle is a strong one because people don't know if you're talking about a skin condition or a person. And I think that's great for a middle name. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Or last okay. name in her case. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you just used it as a middle name for me, is why I said that, of course. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, I'm in high spirits. I'm really I'm oh, cool. high energy right now, and I'm just trying to figure out ways in which you're going to squash that. That's not my job. I'm here to talk okay. about the movies. I'm here to talk That's... about cinema. <laughs> That's funny. It kind of seems like it's your part-time job, at least. On this podcast. I'm coming out Never. swinging today. I'm sorry. Yeah, you are. It's just at the air, though. Because I'm I like, know. I'm just bobbing and weaving because I don't want to, I don't want to be in this kind of workplace. <laughs> I just want to have a good time. Let's not do this. Let's, let's be, let's be nice to each other. Let's celebrate our friendship and what we mean to each other. Um, And in thinking about something, I guess, not quite so lovely and so light. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about our movie this week. I gave us the 1993 uh, movie that doesn't know what it is. So it's hard for me to really say <laughs> thriller or dark comedy because they seem to have just not decided. Um, well, I certainly don't think they think it's a dark comedy. But for us, it was certainly. I think that there were elements that clearly to me felt like they were trying like they were trying to make like a really smart like dark comedy version I of like not pick up on the self-awareness in the, oh in oh i see i think that there i think there was a little bit of, okay we gotta get into it Let me yeah we synopsis okay do your synopsis but i i would love to know when you're done let's talk about the parts that you think um fall into that category because i may have missed it you know you probably did and i'm happy to talk about them with you let me go oh. and do my synopsis though oh god all right please go ahead Business, business, business is the name of the game in this Tom Holland joint. Ah, ah, ah. If you're thinking about Zendaya's Bay, then get your spidey senses checked out. This is 1993, and your boy won't be born for another three years. Peter Barnes is an ad exec in the dog-eat-dog world of 1990s food sales for mega conglomerate Bart Foods. Ignore the name. We are going to have to learn to do a lot of sweeping under the rug to get through this one. Peter's latest elusive great white shark is a cookie company that he intends on nailing an ad campaign for. He's also eyeing a pretty amazing promotion. The problem? He's not the only one. 
He's fending off the likes of colleague Jack Hartzell, played to smarmy perfection by Oliver Platt, as well as a zoot suit sporting female colleague named Sarah. We guess Debbie Mazur was busy on that erotica tour. Peter needs to nail this cookie rollout, so he will definitely need all the support that he can get from his assistant. Uh-oh. Looks like his secretary, Lance, is preoccupied with his wife going into labor? <laughs> Look here, buddy. This is eat-or-be-eaten Portland business. You think the wolves at our competing firm are going to hibernate, mixed metaphor, while you learn the nuances of baby weaning? Peter needs help while Lance experiences the joys of paternity leave. In comes Chris Bolin. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the Philippa Gregory novel either. This is that other other Bolin girl. She is a bona fide beauty and instantly makes herself indispensable to Peter, predicting his every whim and anticipating his needs before he does. She's a temp, though. And when Lance comes back, she's out of a job. Until, shortly after his return, Lance has an unexpected accident. Some would call it an office boo-boo. Others, a hacking by Shredder. The odd thing is, this isn't a one-and-done incident. The moment Chris returns, Peter's co-workers start, well, disappearing. It seems like anyone whose presence could pose a threat to Pete's advancement within the company finds themselves out of a job and a heartbeat. Well, let's chalk it up to coincidence, because no one that looks this good could temper out deviants that feel so bad. Oh, and after Chris gets rid of Peter's competition for that big promotion, she becomes it. Is this all a matter of wacky happenstance? Or will we discover that she-venge is best served bold? Only one way to find out in 1993's The Temp. <laughs> wow. First of all, I gotta give credit where credit is due. That was an incredible synopsis. You crushed it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You don't say that a lot. So that <clears throat> makes me wonder, are the other ones, have the other ones been off? I literally tell you every week that your synopsis is good. Um, and it is, but this one was above the cut. Just a lot of good references. Thank you. Thank you. It I'm, made I, me... I hope it wasn't too like... No, it made okay. me laugh out loud. I had to mute myself because I was laughing. Okay, um, I thought it was fantastic. A great distillation of what happened and what didn't happen and what should have happened um in this interesting flick <laughs> which i have never heard of and it sounds like didn't do too well do you have the numbers on that brand oh you know i do first of all it came out <laughs> january 12th 1993 mm. um after being postponed it's supposed to get that december release but uh some of the test audiences didn't love that ending so they had to do reshoots the original mm. ending was it sounds absolutely better than this nonsense that they gave us, which yeah. just left us all with collective blue balls. Um, and uh, it, it was made for 15 mil. And at the box office, they made about, you know, a modest 6.7. So, <laughs> so it was nothing ventured, nothing gained. <laughs> and um, tr truly, and gained. also sometimes ventured and sometimes <laughs> still no game. Um, but yeah. <laughs> you're giving a lot of Keith Morrison today. I love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Deborah Johnson, bold housewife, confidant, neighbor. <laughs> that was that 
really ventured into like Tim Allen territory. Uh, you love invoking him. I, I hate invoking him. He no, hate you him. don't. You love it. Tawny Johnson, best friend, cheerleading coach, bludgeoner. Well, it's only one way to find out. Because when you visit Probably. a town like P. Peoria, Illinois, known for ice cream, gaiety. Peoria, Illinois is known for ice cream? I mean, you just say whatever. Okay. But, yeah, I'm no, that was definitely definitely less Tim Alleny. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. And I want to leave him. Love you. I want to. Oh, we love sorry? you, Keith Morrison. I was just saying we love we you. We love Keith you, Morrison. Keith Morrison and Tim Allen. We want to leave you out of our podcast. We don't love you so much. Yeah, Jane. Although Jane has visited your your birth your birth home in Michigan before. I've literally. I don't even know where he has anything to do with anything, <laughs> and I will <laughs> not stand for the slander. So. <clears throat> well, you're not standing, but it doesn't matter because he's the last man. <laughs> Okay, I have a question because again, I'm trying to be much better at closing our loops that we open because this podcast is just Let's do it. Let's open go. Open loops. Open well, let's loops. Let's go. What is Oh, you were saying there were parts of this movie that felt like black comedy to you and I would love to start with that because I have no idea what you're talking I'm about. I'm ready. Okay, okay so first thing that First thing that I think feels like black comedy is the fact that like the therapist, when he speaks to the therapist, keeps referring to him to him as Mr. Hyde in terms of like dealing with like his like his mm -hmm. state changing, which they which it's like funny to me that like a therapist would like in all seriousness refer to a condition. I wrote it in my notes earlier because I was what did I write in my notes about this? Hold on, let me find it. Because I was listening to it and I was like, that is such a funny way of like describing it i was like that would be the equivalent of like you sitting with your client and then like who was like an abusive mother and being like oh don't go to mommy dearest and it's like that's so un it's so unprofessional it's, it's like so unprofessional but it, it's, also, Hyde. it's also like therapy in the 90s so like i don't know what but is going feels, on there but it feels like very like like a funny moment yeah, um, but I just am like, that's not intended. Do you really think that's intended? I, oh, I do. I think it was. Okay. And I also think that just like, I feel like it had this <clears throat> camp factor that, that was clear to me. Like, the moments that's were just like... just because Faye Dunaway is in it. I mean, don't. <laughs> don't. She's an icon. She turns the camp on when she wants to. And of she doles out amazing performances. And she snaps does? up And snaps, snap, snags Oscars when she doesn't, okay? Of course. Um, and she looks fucking incredible in this she, movie. I literally, one oh. of my notes, my, one of my notes is Faye Dunaway only took this role because she knew she could dress like a business bitch throughout the whole movie. And she fucking serves. She fucking serves every look. Yes. No, Faye Dunaway looks incredible. And you are right. She does add to it. But also I think like the moments, like the moments when like, when like Laura Flynn, and I read that it was like inspired by a lot of those like noir and those noir movies that were coming out in the nineties, like a basic instinct where it was like yeah. clearly like they were playing around with the themes of noir, but in a nineties mm -hmm. con context. Mm -hmm. And like, I got that vibe of like the femme fatale, although clearly they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Like the moment where like Lance like cuts his hand in the copier, like that's yeah, that, so funny. That was hilarious, but I just didn't know. I I think I think I was so removed from understanding what this movie was. It was hard for me to pin down. They were too. What exactly? It was hard for me to pin down what the filmmakers thought this movie was, and like I was like I I couldn't sense intention with anything. 
I felt like in the beginning, I feel like they ended up starting out with this movie that like they decided somewhere in the middle they didn't want to be as gritty as they had like initially sort of like proposed. Saw like because it felt. Although there's a lot of murder, and I also want to say my regarding my previous statement. That does not mean I did not enjoy watching this movie. Oh, no. I, I, I absolutely en- did. <laughs> I totally enjoyed it. The only time that I was actually annoyed was at the end because I felt like they didn't make ah! a bold choice. And, like, the that was the thing was, that... was the blue balls thing that you said in your synopses. Yeah. Okay, so, like, everybody, I mean, if you didn't gather from my synopsis, basically, over the course of the movie, there are all of these events that are happening. And there are moments towards the beginning of the movie. There's a moment when Chris, as she's sort of, like, slowly being, like, um, integrated into this world, even though she's a temp, she's sort of like making herself known, and she's making like bold moves, even as a temp to advance. And Chris is and Chris is the Lara Flynn. Boyle Chris is the Lara Flynn Boyle part, and so there's a moment towards the beginning of the movie where they're going out to like, uh, I think they're going out for like an office. Like, uh, is it a birthday? I think it's a birthday. No, it's Secretary's Day. It's Secretary's Day. Celebrating and with so, secretaries. And Chris gets to go, even though she's like a new temp. And there's a moment when Oliver Platt, like, sort of, he's playing the smarmy jerk in the movie, which he's really good at. Also, like, 33 years old, which is funny to me. Unbelievable. Um, there's a moment in the movie where he touches the side of his mouth while looking at her, which is the international gesture for you have something on your mouth. Right. And she reaches and then re- reaches and realizes there's nothing there. And then there's like a laugh and then like a wasp flies at the <laughs> flies on the table and, and Oliver Platt like freaks out. And everybody at the table is like, ooh, what to do? And then like she stands up in all of her like <laughs> 1990s beauty glamour and she slams her hand on the counter and she kills the, the wasp. And Faye Dunaway across the t- with bare her bare hands. hands. And then Faye Dunaway across the table is like, that's how you get them, girly. And um, <laughs> it is so good. But in that moment, I thought to myself, did she, like, manifest that? Like, is she? Does she have Impossible. supernatural? Does she have supernatural problem, p- powers? Is she going to be, like, an otherworldly figure? Is she, like, I was thinking about Dr. Faustus, like, the mm. play. I was thinking about this idea of, is she going to come to represent, like, the devil incarnate or evil? Is she going mm. to, like, ultimately reveal herself to be, like, a conduit to like making like Peter's dreams come true, but at the expense of these people. And I realized I was reaching way too far. And I was, I was about to say you, that that is, that is a game you love to play with these shitty movies we watch where you're like, is this going to turn out to unfold to be this very like intricate, well-written layered story. (laughs) And let me tell you, the answer is 99% of the time. No. (laughs) So we, so we didn't get that at all. And then I thought at the very least, because as people start dying in these crazy ways, his different coworkers, one by one, they start to die. And as they die, the likelihood of Peter obtaining this promotion, him and uh, him and uh, Peter and Chris have this very sort of like, will they, won't they type relationship like me and Jane. So it's mm-hmm. always all of this sexual tension and innuendo. And you're like, are they going to go for it? And then like somewhere like towards the end of the movie, it's like they just sort of abandon ship. And yep. it ends in like the weirdest way with like a with like Peter ultimately getting the job us never really we find out about all these lies that like the that the Chris character is told in ter- in in her advancement within the company but like at the end of the movie Peter is now like the president of the company and he essentially calls her out on her one last lie and then he fires her and that's how the movie ends with him being like, you're fired. And then it goes and to black. done. And we get and, zero answers. We get zero motivation as to why Chris would be doing this other than, like, we don't understand. There's no, like, again, she, like, pretends to have this family at some point. We get no answers about why she tries to do that. Like, there is no, 
wrapping up on this Chris character, we get no real backstory. And she's one of the main characters. She is the main character. The she, movie's called The yeah. Temp. It's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it's all about her, and we never find out if she's actually been behind any of these people dying in the movie, which you, you think you're going right. to get this really big, juicy monologue. Because after she sort of because starts... Because we... Honestly, we deserve it. <laughs> we deserve it. Because after yeah. she sort of... These people start dying mysteriously, and Peter starts advancing, and she's working for him initially. Eventually, she ends up getting a position within the company that is very much like comparable to Peter's. And then it's, it's like, the okay, exact same position. It's the same position. She moves up from a temp to this position. And Charlene it's played marketing super, manager, marketing manager. She moves up to this position from having been a temp for him. And Charlene who runs the company played to delectable camp perfection by Faye Dunaway. Mm. Um, really likes her. She sees a lot of herself in her. And Chris a, a initially, like, s tries to get by on this lie that she went to Stanford, which is the alma mater of Charlene character. So, like, that helps her advance as well. But, like, then we get this, like, scene towards the end of the movie where it's, like, they end up in a cookie factory. And, like, it's, like, Faye Dunaway's in the cookie factory. Peter's in the cookie factory. And then Chris ends up there. And it seems like they're about to try and make it seem like Faye Dunaway's character is the killer. But it all is super convoluted. And it's, like... They don't know what to do with the situation they presented us with. So we've got the three of them fighting in this cookie factory. And it's like, you don't know who you're rooting for because you don't know who the bad person is. And so it's like, what's going on? Who caused this? Why are we in a cookie factory in, in the middle of nowhere at midnight? Like, what it's, is going on? And uh, one of my notes from that part of the movie is like, all this for some goddamn cookies? Like, it is all, Which is another reason why I think much. that it's supposed to be like dark comedy is because <laughs> this is all about like this cookie company and big business. I hope this, I hope this is. I mean, so, okay. So there are so many things I want to talk about in this movie. The first thing, And big business in Portland, by the way, which we yeah. all know in the 1990s, that's where you <laughs> set a movie that was all about commerce. Honestly, if you if you want to talk about big business, if you want to talk about starting and, you know, um, huge conglomerates, all of these things, you are going to Portland, Oregon, famous city. You're going to, you're going to PN, the PNW. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And that's where we find ourselves. I <laughs> Why the fuck is this movie set in Portland, Oregon? But that seems funny to me, too. <laughs> like, all of these things seem like they, ha like they had to have known that it was funny it's to reveal... Thing. I'm that we watching were in Portland. it. I'm watching this through the lens that like these people are like, uh, just like everything is like I'm taking it at face value, and which is why I'm my my eyebrows are raised the whole time, being like, what is the story we're trying to tell? What is the story that we're trying to tell? <laughs> and I think it's worth noting because we were talking about the messy ending, the mm -hmm. ending that the audiences did not like was an ending where. At the end of the movie, originally, Peter was supposed to fall into, like, a vat of cookie dough and, I think, die. And then Chris... <laughs> when you say that out loud, I'm like, how can this movie not be a dark comedy? You're right! Maybe you're and right. And then Chris was supposed to fall onto a, a conveyor belt and then end up in the incinerator and die. <laughs> And I was like, that's a bold <laughs> choice. That's like that's a better ending. Like that 100%. still doesn't sat it doesn't satisfy anything, but I think that it's funny for it to just end in the most irreverent way possible. I mean, they they were living well, and dying by cookies, so it makes sense. Absolutely. That would have added at least like we would have been like, what happened? What's everyone's motivation? Or whatever. But like the way that it ends now, it's like, you know, sex with a drunk frat boy. Nobody's finishing. Everything uh. is <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's he's maybe finishing. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you um, never know. But that ending was, was 
filmed and then the test audiences didn't like it so they did a reshoot and they changed the ending for a bunch of stupid test audience people this it's is like, why you can't trust yuppies you from the 90s because you can't please everyone you cannot so like mm-hmm. pick like make a bold choice and then just lean into it because even if you fail you fail spectacularly as opposed to this movie which if it had had that ending and not done well that ending would have would have at least solidified its place within a certain tier of like camp 90s films like absolutely we'd all know about that ending like this Mm -hmm. ending isn't anything to write home about and you end up with like this the movie just sort of ending on like this sort of like shrug because it's like it doesn't commit to anyone's like evil quality and i was writing a better movie in my head at certain moments i was thinking oh my god like dave and i were talking about finding out that like chris is charlene's daughter that she put up for adoption years earlier and that's why like chris is trying to advance within this company to like get <gasps> oh, back to her be mother so much juicier. i was like that's so good and juicy and it explains yeah. why she's so avaricious and it's like i'm just like you mama and then we can play around <laughs> with that mommy dearest angle a little bit without faye knowing yes. about it like Ugh. all of these things i thought were like bolder choices than they made which was to end with a with a light like firing it's just like it's also well, i'm sure the like execs were like middle america doesn't like when the nice guy doesn't win we can't have him die in a vat of cookie dough and like Ugh. that was the decision made so i like, want to see Tim- that ending though I timothy if it's on hutton the like made it and like solved the mystery but like we don't get any fucking answers there's no and answers to any who killed anybody why they no. killed them like at That's one okay. point like Someone, uh, Chris and um, Peter, Timothy Hutton and Lara Finn Boyle are in, it's like towards the end of the movie where he like gets promoted and they have to go to Salem, Oregon to the factory and they're on this work trip together and they're driving down on, you know, the beautiful hills of Portland. Lara Flynn Boyle is giving us, you know, Grace Kelly realness in this convertible and all of a sudden the brakes stop working and the brakes are cut. And I'm like, I can't wait to find out who's responsible for this because if this is like Chris cutting her own brakes to like see what happens, like, oh my God, what an incredible risk. And then again, we find out nothing. We don't know who cut, we don't know who cut the brakes. We have no idea what happened. And I'm like, why do that? Why go through all that trouble? Why keep it? It makes me feel like somebody like wrote the movie and then like, they like showed it to like colleagues or whatever. And the people were like, well, what about this? And they're like, you don't find out. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe you should. It's like, nah, nah, people don't like to find out endings. Anymore. Everybody <laughs> likes to the open ending. It's like, do they? Who's everybody? Yeah. And what well, was your what, what was your basis think, for this script? I think executives and honey I'll are the people are the it. least artistic people in the world. And they're making the decisions on endings based on, you know, it just it just sucks and and this was hacked together by like i think three or four writers as well it was one writer and then a bunch of other people got involved and the ending was written by a by another writer so like it's clear that watered down you know and it makes me wonder if they went back to the first writer and he refused to change it and then they were like we'll hire somebody who will you know what i mean like yeah yeah well they get you really ramped up in the beginning you know there's all this first of all i love movies about business and businessy stuff particularly in a time period where i have not worked in an office because i did not work in the 90s (laughs) i was famously a child and it is so funny to hear how the movies 
translate office talk into you know like these I, like it makes me feel like no one has ever been in an office before this movie i do i love movies from the 90s i i love movies from the 90s they're very comforting to me i mm-hmm. love movies i love movies set in like the early to mid 90s where it's yes, still like is... where the whispers of like the 80s are still there but they're really mm-hmm. trying to like make a declaration about us being in a new time period it's yes. really like fun i watch a lot of murder she wrote as everybody knows i'm a angela lansbury stan and we're we're in like the mid 80s and like it's really funny how much of like the 70s is still at play when you see like mm. scenes of people on the street and you're like this looks so 70s like it's like you forget how much of like the previous time period bleeds over into like the totally. new time period and it's mm-hmm. so interesting in movies like this when you see hints of it but also you can tell that like the people who were designing uh did the costume design in this movie which kudos to them by the way because the costumes are lovely the, uh, in particularly and- faye dunaway and Laura Flynn Boyle's costumes in this movie are really top-notch. I mean, I would want to have an office job where I could wear those things now, you know? Also, it was so funny. I stumbled upon... Well, you know, I do research, and I, you Mm. know, I that Mm. is something that I love, and I did... Bouncing around on that keyboard. <laughs> I stumble upon some like historiographic like intrigue um, mm. information. I stumbled upon like a news like a newspaper article. It's really short. It was like about Laura Flynn Boyle. It was from ninety two, and it was like Ooh. Laura Flynn Boyle of Twin Peaks fame has mm. set to star alongside Timothy Hutton in The Temp. And it was mentions the fact that like that they're like, but she's gonna have a completely look different look than she did on Twin Peaks. They're fitting her with long with long wigs, and she's going to have to gain fifteen pounds before production starts. And it was just like, oh my god. Oh my god, I I I. Oh, it sounds like in the nineties they talked a lot about. Um, women gaining or losing weight for roles and that be- it's become less of a conversation now I think although like you still there's still the like <clears throat> you know Christian Bale losing 60 pounds to place I don't know whatever oh yeah and him calling like the newspapers would be like oh, I did it I did it <laughs> But man, I do remember that from childhood reading all of those things, like People magazine, like, oh, she gained 15 pounds for a blah, blah. I'm like, why is, like, thinking about that now, I'm like, why the fuck is that a part of the conversation I mean, at we, all? We, we went through this, we went through this uh, with our, our over Nazelle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, Larfin, but actually, you want to know what's so funny about this? Mm hmm. When I was watching this movie, I felt like Lara Flynn Boyle was giving me Lindsay Lohan vibes. I see that. Yep, really? I okay. Can see it. I, I'm glad you saw that because it really. I was like, this is this is like young Lohan. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Oh, we need to. Do we need to make the temp with Lindsay Lohan? Oh my God. Okay. I know you guys are all probably clamoring to get there first, but I promise you, by the time this comes out, we're already in conversations with her. So please do not try to jump the gun and get involved. This is our project. And we really, 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 um, you know, obviously this is being recorded. And so if you try to steal our idea in any way, we will become very litigious. (laughs) Yeah, that part. That part. Mm -hmm. Um. The costumes in this movie, yeah, the costumes are fabulous. I loved, like, the big, like, it was so funny to me, too. There were times where I was like, do I love Laura Flynn Boyle's hair? Or, and then there were other times where I was oh obsessed with Oh, my God, we it. have to talk about her hair. Because okay. you notice, like, halfway through the movie, her hair changes entirely. Like, it, yeah. 
She starts off with this like kind of large updo. It's like a bouffant. Like it's, it's like... a bouffant. There's height to it. And yes. then cut to it. I noticed it immediately in the um, when they're in the test kitchen trying the cookies, and she makes this suggestion, the genius le- suggestion that nobody's ever made to add molasses to the to a cookie. Yeah, cookies. iconic. <laughs> Instantly, she gets on everybody's radar as more than a temp in that moment too. Exactly. It's a it's a um, career defining moment for her in more ways. One, but it is egregious. Her hair. I mean, you clearly, it's like uh, there's either several pieces that are stuck into the bouffant and curled, and it is so much higher than it used to be. There's like now, like a a, a light bangs situation going on. There's more highlights than there used to be. And I don't know if it's like saying something about her character or like someone just decided, like they like switched um, hairstylist like midway through the production. Yeah. I don't know, but something- or reshoots or it was reshoots and they oh, were just like all coming back and they were like, this'll do. Yeah. And it's like, it's so different from what she's been doing. Her hair changes a lot in this film. There was like, and there, and I thought that was going to be like a part of like some metamorphosis as well. Like, of course, um, nope. but every no. every seed that is planted is immediately abandoned in this movie. Now you really sound like one of the frat boys. Um, <laughs> there, um, there also was a scene where they go on like towards the end of the movie after she's like advanced in the company and now she's like got this marketing manager position and like Peter's really frustrated because it's like he thought she was his girl and now she's like you know putting his what we perceive to be. She's competition, and she's putting what we perceive to be a Stanford degree uh, to the, you know, to the test. Which earlier in the movie, he finds out that she went to Stanford, and he confronts her, and he's like really pissed about it, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "He I, says to her, he says to her, if you went to Stanford, why are you a temp?" Which I thought, huh, that's crazy to me because I like, I don't know the way that the world works now. You could be a a temp with any kind of degree absolutely it's just it doesn't a matter. way to find employment on a temporary basis yeah yeah i didn't find a job i've been looking and i hadn't found a job yet so i'm doing this to make ends meet while actively yeah. looking for something where i or, can like, put the yeah, degree to work exactly that's just that's it was I don't just know. so it was so weird and he really like he was weirdly he was so, judgmental it was judgmental and he was pissed at her he was like he was angry at her for like having this like degree from like an ivy league university which was like really weird um well, it, it also made it sound like he was like how dare you deceive me with your status i thought you were underneath me and now we're like you know at the same level or high or you're higher yeah. when you're supposed to be my secretary you dumb that bitch. was exactly it was very much like those vibes and like yeah. it was just like out of nowhere it was like he was so like angry with her and like later on in the movie after she does like advance within the company they're like at this like company picnic thing and like they're playing a game of like tug of war like in teams and then her team wins or whatever and like he ends up obviously like in the physical and metaphorical mud um and then he's in the water on like uh like on a don't tell me on uh say it inner tube on an inner tube he's in the water on inner tube (laughs) And he's floating around with a beer in his hand, and she, like, she comes out down there, and she's in her... She looks... First of all, this is a scene where we're done. Laura Flamboy looks insane in this scene. Her wig <laughs> was so wild on her head. They had plopped they... that bad boy on her head, and they would, like, go shoot the scene. 
And she's like, they can I see said, a mirror? They were like, it's they, for the best that you don't. They said, we're about to break for lunch. We just got to get Lars' wig on. Look. And it was like the hairstylist threw it from across the room. And it landed on her head. And they were like, action. You're golden, kid. <laughs> um, it was like the scene had started. The hair, the hairstylist planned on pinning it in place. She was looking for some spirit gum. She smelled the Schlotskys that had just arrived. And she heard that there was also going to be Grandies. And she was like, you figure it out, sister. And she got up and she headed for the craft services station. I love how your hairstylist is like Estelle Getty. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Well, if I'm making it, you know that's who I want. Looks good to me, kiddo. Get out there and give him hell. Um, she looks crazy and it's just funny because she's supposed to be like the sexiest she's ever been. And she's like walking down this dock and it looks like everybody in the crew's just been given her nuggies. And she gets to the end of the dock and then she's like, (laughs) and she gets to the end of the dock and she like seductively like (coughs) reveals her little like high-waisted gingham bikini. And then she dives into the water with that, with that mop on her head. And she she like rolls up on Peter. And at this point in the movie, we you know she's such a mysterious character, and so much of the movie we're trying to figure out what her actual past is. And she's told us that she's like married, and like her and her husband are at this point like they're dealing with stressors, but like she's still married. And Peter. But she's also to get made back. it abundantly clear that she wants to sleep with Peter. That she's Peter DTF, has, yeah, for sure. And and Peter has said no. I'm trying to get back with my wife. And she comes out to the to the inner tube, and she's like, you know. One time, when I was in high school, me and my boyfriend, we were out in the water, and we started making out, and then we started having sex, and nobody who was on the dock looking out at us had any idea. It just looked like two lovers embracing. Me and you could do the same thing right now. And she he just literally sort of like, says, she literally says, wanna fuck? And it's like, and, very and, jarring to me. And he has no reaction. And I thought to myself, you know what the difference is, though, Laura Flamboyle, as Chris Bolin? The difference is that you and your boyfriend were in a relationship. And this is your yes. co-worker. So even if it appears to everybody on the, on, who's at, like, on the dock that you two are just even embracing, that's still highly inappropriate for a work function. Absolutely. So, like, that's not the same thing as you and him being significant others out with, like, a group of your friends. Like, this is a work event. Like, so there's no scenario, even if it just looks like you two are in the water making out, that is still highly inappropriate and extreme <laughs> especially as like executives within this company like what in, are you talking about in the about? middle of the day at a work <laughs> function like it may be a little looser because you're able to drink a beer on the water but you shouldn't be necking in front of your it's also it's also not gonna you're also not gonna be allowed to drink drink beer on the water after this because <laughs> exactly. once they look out and they see you two boofing in the water they're gonna be like hey let's put those Michelob Ultras away <laughs> the policies have to much. change. Yeah, the policies are. There's gonna be. A sh- there's gonna be a cultural shift once <laughs> once everybody back at headquarters gets wind of the game of tickle the pickle you two were playing out in the water with people's children running around. Like, I mean, what are you fam- saying? I, there's families here. This is a family event, ma'am. And and this just goes back to how Chris is in the workplace. Every person she talks to, it sounds like she is propositioning them. She's like, oh, I need to use the copier. 
what's your code? Oh, I could do your taxes. I don't know why I'm doing sexy Moira Rose now. <laughs> Ooh, how did I get toner all over my tushy? Only one way to get that off with your saliva. Get to lapping. Ew. Respectfully. <laughs> I'm imagining that changes just, it. Yeah. It, also, it's like the toner would be on her skirt, right? So he would just be licking like a toxic material off of her skirt. It doesn't matter though. It's like proximity. He's like <clears throat> yeah, that close I guess to her that tutor. Would, honestly, it would still get her going either way. And then and then maybe if she farts in the middle and she's like, oops. <laughs> I love pretty poot. <laughs> Does that do anything for you, Peter? Like yes, she gives new meaning to office crop dust. Huh? <laughs> what other meaning is there for office crop dust? <laughs> guess we go- guess we're not gonna have to call Roundup about this one. Maybe we can settle. Maybe we can settle this civil suit in the court of. All I could think of was coochie. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should have committed. You I know. should have committed. Okay, I'll do it. Maybe okay. we'll settle this dispute in the court of coochie. <laughs> it didn't, yeah. Your, your laugh wasn't the same as it would have been if it had been just a pure moment. But we tried. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's very like boop, boop, be doo at every turn, which gives me the feeling that there was a, a director behind the camera with a raging heart on, just like living out his fantasies of what he Being wished like, happened. More, more. Um, the '90s Tom Holland, not our Spidey. Not, not, not America's uh, Spider-Man, who I realized when I looked into it was is not British. born for many years, and also is British. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this. Yeah, and we also we have like it's so funny because we have that sort of thing which like. I guess was it, it was really popular in movies, but it was that sort of like the avariciousness of like nineteen nineties business. But it's funny because oh, the eighties favorite. It's but so the eighties were even more intense because I mean you could just do coke back then, so everybody <laughs> was even more on edge. And it's that scene with Faye Dunaway where she's like, "Sweetie, things are changing around here." It's not like then she's like, "You made you may be fooled because we've got kombucha and yoga retreats, but it's just as vicious as it was in the eighties." And it's like, she yes, does girl. not say kombucha. kombucha. She doesn't. I couldn't remember not... what she said, but she <laughs> but, but she does mention yoga retreats. She she does, and and it's that. I mean, it's that whole thing about how. How, like she says um people will stab you in the back but they'll do it with a smile in your face in the 90s but i guess in the 80s they used to do it with a you know a coked up foaming of the mouth grin yeah with coke they put coke in your face yeah. and then they'd smile <laughs> they wouldn't give you any yeah there wasn't a time in the 80s where from my understanding people were not doing cocaine it was everywhere all the time in the workplace and um people were eating it back then people were eating it people were eating it, sprinkling it on their salads and putting it on their toothbrushes just before they they brush their teeth people were using it to effectively make slurries like you do when you're making like you know oh, like a like cornstarch slurry yeah you but, know but to thicken things up but just cook Cocaine, of course. Just in there and then getting it good and pasty and then just shellacking mm-hmm. it on their tongues. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get enough of it from what I've heard. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I wanted to mention about... Mention it. Oh. Go for it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the space. You know, I appreciate it. The floor! <laughs> <laughs> um, I have worked in so many offices in my lifetime and I know you've worked in some as well. Yes. And 
I would like, I have something I'd like to take up with 90s offices. Why? What? Everyone is working on reports all the time. It is so unclear what the definition of a report is. And it is like everybody's chomping at the bit to get them and to write them and to turn them in. And I have in my entire working career never been asked to write a report. And I'm wondering, do you know what this is? Um, I have, if I had to write a report, I, I haven't had to do this in school. I don't know. Book <laughs> report. I, I've had to like, I've had to write incident reports before. Like on specific things that happened on, I worked for a touring company and I had to write reports on things that happened on the tour. Or I would sometimes have to write like a report of like information that like I received from like a person who called in and was dissatisfied with something. So like that kind of a thing, but like but this, okay, this whole so idea I, of having a report on somebody's on somebody's <laughs> desk by like the end of the day. By noon. And it's like everyone's waiting for a report. And I think actually now that I'm talking about this, because this this is this guy is a marketing manager. I happen to Marketing work. genius. Um, well, okay. I, I love how much they fucking celebrate him for coming up with an old school cookie jar. Is like a, it's like, okay. That's how the movie starts is they're talking <laughs> about like the 1990s. And everybody in the 90s wants to go back to the 50s, yeah, which feels which like, like valid. Uh, that least, feels like a know, valid assessment. Yeah, straight white people at least. Um, <laughs> but um, I also um, work in marketing. And... Um, I'm wondering if a report is equivalent to creating um, decks in like PowerPoint or Google Slides. Oh. Because, I mean, we do a lot of that. <laughs> and Yeah, well, you're right in the sense of like, what is the report on? Is it on like right. how what this thing works within on? the market? Is it- on the metrics like it hasn't been released yet i don't understand what we're tracking are we looking at data sets like yeah like but like there's no data to be had because again it i I don't know maybe it's maybe it's data within the entire market not within the company maybe that's what i was gonna say maybe it's like we're supposed to be thinking about like the cookie market big cookie as a whole and we're thinking about you know what's going on with chips ahoy what's going Mm -hmm. on with famous amos like Mm -hmm. we want to know what the key what's going on with keebler we want to (laughs) know how they're moving so that we can anticipate our own move it's just so funny to see them walking around being like this oatmeal raisin thing has to work and it's like (laughs) what first of all like oatmeal raisin has proven its worth it's around baby it is everywhere. I don't know how you're gonna stand alone in the market. That's gonna be tough for you. But that there, there's also this moment where like in the where they're like trying to think of like the whole thing is these cookies, and then like Peter comes up with the idea for the old timey jar. So you know to harken back to like you know ye old days when like you know you know your mom had the cookies you know all in the glass jar on the counter. So they come up with this idea, but then people are like, well, what about like the the, the jars? They're gonna be like spherical. They're gonna be too big. They're gonna take up too much space in the counters. We're not gonna be putting these as many out chris is the one who comes up with the idea of making a square jar mm. and like they really and then like charlene really loves that so we're pushing forward with the jars and then, then we it's get like a the shot. ideas are not top notch but we're supposed to pretend and this is now that i'm talking this out with you this does make me feel like they have to know how ridiculous this i think is. they think i think they did know so then like they've got these square jars and then they do like they're doing like you know they're testing the public so they've got like the sampler person out at the store in one of the stores selling these cookies and there's a moment where she's where they're biting the cookies 
and then and then they all of a sudden the there's an older woman and like a young like goth sort of like kid and they each come up and they each take a sample of the cookies and they both start chewing them and then you see like this moment where their eyes get really like large and then they both spit out blood and i'll tell you because i watched these gals real closely because i was like what is happening so this older woman in her 70s or whatever comes and takes a sample of cookie and she's biting it and she's chewing on it and she's moving her head back and forth in a joyful motion while she chews really enjoying it kind of giving us a little too much but you know i was she's having too much fun yeah she's having too much fun but what she does is she starts, she's smiling and she opens her mouth, continuing to smile, and blood <laughs> starts to drip out onto her chin. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? And then the younger goth girl sees the blood dripping out from the old lady's mouth. She looks at her and then she speaks. Bits, an entire mouthful of blood and cookie at the poor person who's working at the samples table and chaos ensues and you're like why would anyone react to the way that anybody's reacting in this way well also the older lady it's like did you not feel it like know, because you're you smiling through it is there glass in your mouth because you're loving every second of it it's like you don't feel the shards like she's like smiling and enjoying the flavor and the mommy's exactly. um, really popping for her and then it's like all yeah, of a sudden famously there's tons of umami and oatmeal raisin cookies. if you're doing it right if you're using okay. if you're using goju jang okay if you're using soju yeah 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 if you're using miso these are all very strange combinations for oatmeal raisin yeah you're use. a strange combination for a soju is liquor <laughs> but there's also no there's like a food version isn't there or am i wrong no there's not okay, soju is i'm just sorry the I, made, I made a mistake um, How embarrassing so, for you. I've absolutely never done that on this podcast. You are the mistake, Jane. So you don't have to make them. Ooh. <laughs> so um, anyway, I didn't mean that. Jane's great. So anyway, don't, don't text me about it. Uh, me assuming you have my, te- my text information. So then um, <laughs> after all of this happens, though, then they're like, they're back at like the offices and they're like, we got to pull all the cookies off the shelf. We've got to like figure out what's going on. And like... Then there's a moment with Faye Dunaway where she brings up one of their competitors and she's like, they they have just found out about our cookies and they are about to release a cookie very similar to ours. And it's like, first of all, this isn't like an album dropping. Like, no. if your cookies come out a couple of days later, like, they're st- they're, they'll sell when they come out. Like, why are you acting like them dropping cookies a day, like, a week before yours is going to, like spell impending doom people are constantly going back to the store and buying more things so it's like them dropping cookies is not like somebody dropping like a similar movie to yours like the week before your movie comes out yeah there's a cyclical nature to our consumption of things so it's not like this is the end of it for like you so it's just like a really funny thing to be upset about and it's not it's not a wild recipe. It's not something new that we've never had before as a society. It is one of the oldest, oldie, old time, old timey recipes that we've ever had. And oatmeal raisin cookies, like, and y'all didn't have, 
It's it's shout out to Granddaddy Bree. Those were his favorite cookies. Like they've oh, been around forever. Yeah. They're so good. And also, they y'all just added molasses into your cookies, so calm down. <laughs> like, you are not on the cutting edge of like of anything. <laughs> like y'all are actually like barely doing your job okay, it sounds like I know. You came this up with this is also like 3D Doritos. This isn't also, something completely new. Oh, whoa, we know what Jane thinks <laughs> the, the innovation's at. Okay. Um, also, there's a moment when she's like, it's those jars that you suggested. That's why this is happening. He's like, they're plastic. And it's like, you as the executive at the company didn't know that they were plastic? You uh, thought y'all were putting glass jars out on the shelves? That's on, honestly, huh? uh, th- uh, that's embarrassing for her because truthfully, like, that's a conversation that you need to be a part of. Particularly because, like, cost per unit is going to be way lower. Way more expensive plastic. on glass jars, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you should be aware. And I'm honestly embarrassed for you, Faye. Yeah, and there should have been a moment where he was like, hold on, no, let's go back to that. Do you, you didn't know, know your that product? We, you thought we were using glass fucking jars? You don't. And you're in charge, Charlene? Um, she would have ripped his face off. But, Absolutely. And she would have looked can we incredible a, doing it. Can we... Yeah, can we talk... Like, Faye Dunaway... I've mentioned it already. It bears repeating. Mm-hmm. Faye Dunaway looks so good in this movie. I was, like, give, really uh, Wait, I have, a, I have a... Give me a movie Faye Dunaway doesn't look it's good It's true, in. but I was just, like... 1993, I was, like, doing the math. And I was, like... How old is Damn. she? She was, like, 52, 53. She looks incredible. She looks incredible in this movie. Yeah. She, I mean, from the hair, I feel like her and Laura had different hair teams because Faye's hair never They didn't get her. I'll tell you that, baby. She didn't get got. (laughs) She did not get got at all. She looked amazing the whole time. Do you think, was that, was that Faye's hair or was that like falls or like? You know, I'm sure there were some um, extra pieces added for volume. Yeah. But I don't think There's, she was wearing a full-blown wig at any point. There was, like... Th- I wonder if the person who did Laura's hair during the picnic day, <laughs> like, Sorry, rolled, up to, rolled up to Faye's dress, to, to Faye's, like, trailer and was like, hey, girl, I got you. And she was like, the hell you do? <laughs> Absolutely not! <laughs> you take that chinchilla and get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's not going on my cranium. I want an Oscar. But that work. Also, you have to wonder. Here's another question I have about this movie. Totally unrelated to what we were just talking about, but it just popped into my head. What the fuck is the timeline on this movie? Because when I tell you that Chris Bolin, the Larf employee character, participated in... The what character? What did you say? Chris Bolin. This makes something about Larva. I said, Chris Bolin, the Lara Flynn Boyle there character. There we go. And there we go. And that's I, it. My apologies. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we witnessed the fastest climbing of the corporate ladder of all time. Because she according grew- to me, yes. when she got... Okay. Oh, I have so many things to say. <laughs> They're just like swirling around in my brain. Okay. She was hired as a temp then made a secretary permanently after um, Lance got his hand caught in the shredder slash she definitely made his hand shred to pieces. And then it seemed like only a few weeks passed and she was made the same level as um, the Peter character. 
So Yeah, I didn't even completely understand that she was a permanent secretary, to be honest with you. I thought maybe we were still going to wait to sort of see what happened with the hand. And maybe she, it wasn't clear. Like, it wasn't clear. And then when he found out that she was made a marketing manager, the first thing he asked was, well, is she in line to be VP as well? And Roger goes, oh, well, it's a level playing field. And I thought, <laughs> how the is it a level playing field? She literally just got promoted. And she has zero experience, as far as I understand. I don't think she spent a lot of time in the marketing world. And all of a sudden, like, things are just all coming up Lara Flynn Boyle. Well, it's like, I don't understand why, like, yeah, it couldn't be like, yeah, well, she just started and she moved up really, really fast from like, yeah. having just been the secretary so to being no, market manager. There's no way she's in line for VP. So we're going to let her get her footing. But as soon as <laughs> Faye Dunaway shows up and it's like, everybody strap in. Any of you could snag this job. It's like, is that how it is? It, it seems, I mean, the way the ship is run, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of, um, experience necessary no and it's like really funny because it does feel like someone would be able to just be like and then even peter says like she says something and then peter's like well sarah would make a like he says something to his coworker, and the coworker's like oh is it because she's a woman and he's like no like sarah would be great for the job like his coworker who likes who loves her yeah. suits um he's like sarah would be great <laughs> for the job and it's like it's not about that also there's a moment right after this whole thing happens when they are trying to I scramble to think, I, hope, right. I hope you're gonna mention the the next thing, the thing that I really am like chopping them to mention. I think I think I am. Okay. There's a moment where they are. It's right after the cook, the whole cookie incident happens, mm -hmm. and they are trying to like scramble to like figure out like how they're gonna deal with like the the fallout of everything that's just that's just happened with the company and they're mm -hmm. she's sort of like assigning and allocating responsibilities and she's like i want you to write the statement for the people i want you you know i want you to talk to like um i want you to talk to our like you know our foreign um our foreign holders and all this stuff and then um she and then sarah says well i normally do the statements and then faye dunaway says well uh she says well chris is more camera friendly and like just moves on and i was like <laughs> You did not just look her in the face and tell her in this professional capacity that old girl is prettier than her. Because that's all you just said. Which is also something that that actress had to sort of like deal with when she saw that script. To be I like, always feel bad for actors yes. and actresses when there's lines in scripts or like character descriptions where it's like, ugly but nice. You know what I mean? Like, knew her ranking and like, you know, <laughs> dated within her, you know, her her level. And it's like, it, you feel so bad for these actors because they're not bad looking people. A Minnesota four, a California two. It's like what? <laughs> um, and you, it's so funny because as an actor who like has done like you know those auditions and everything, especially when you're doing like commercials and like you know auditions for um, procedurals and things like that, and you get the script mm -hmm. sometimes, and it will literally like it'll be like you know Janine like homely, you know like homely and humble, <laughs> homely. Plain, 
but she knows it and she knows her place in the world and she's going to slow her down and it's like i get that you tried to like put a band-aid on it but like we saw those first two words and you know that like an actor who's like got got the script and was like okay and it's like when your agent calls you up and it's like have i got a part for you kid and then you're like yeah 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 and then you get the script and it's like local dumpster fire mag. <laughs> and you're like that's what you are you call am i going in for siren it's like no 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 we got somebody else doing that one it's 25 um, but looks 38 and you're like what, what? <laughs> so i will tell you a story really quickly i'm not okay. no names but when i was in undergrad we had a class that was called audition training it was you, not by the way you know you're dropping names after we record right yeah, of course. Okay. Um, and I remember we were in class and um, we had we got a sheet with types on it. And it was like, <laughs> like, siren, girl next door, boy next door, like hunk, like all of these things, like, like, you know, matronly type, aunt, like, you know, dad, uncle vibes, coach, that kind of thing. And we were, pa- and they were like passed around and our teacher, to his discredit, Mm-hmm. made us go around the room and say what we thought everybody was. <gasps> oh and, my god. And a classmate whose name I will not mention, she had her bubble burst that day. <laughs> because she looked at that list and she said, bombshell, siren. <laughs> and I remember somebody said, somebody, yep, somebody said, <laughs> Oh, uh, I don't know about that. And then our teacher said, no, no, not that. Not Bombshell, not Siren. That's more Laura. And he pointed to our friend, Laura. And he was like, she's like a blonde. She's like a Bombshell, like a Siren. You're you're more, you know, like like an aunt, like, you know, oh like the God. really smart, like, girl <laughs> who lives down the street. And it was just like... Oh my god, like the face crack of that class. And it was like <laughs> she in real time was just processing it. Oh, and it was oh like also that's like so bringing horrible. more into it to just be like, that's what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> I know. It's like. Was that when Laura was visiting or something? No, this was an undergrad. Laura was oh, in wh- class with me. Oh, and I Laura thought you was said grad school. No, it was an undergrad, and it was oh, like no, I've never no. done anything like that in my grad program. But oh. Laura's like literally sitting there. No, it was a wild west in grad school. I mean, in undergrad, <laughs> it was a wild west. And like Laura's just sitting there, and it's like, no, that's it, right there. <laughs> Do you see the differences? And it was just like that is wild. That is at the same time an incredible compliment for our friend Laura, and an incredibly difficult moment for that other person. Well, there's something about being like, "Oh, the hot one," and it's like, "No, no, no, that's what the hot one looks like." Here's what you are: you're the friend who eats rocks. You're the neighborhood turd. I mean, I get it. I know I'm. The, I know I'm the, the the matronly best friend. I'm okay with that. You know what no, I mean? No, I think you're. I think you're the sexy siren. Okay, put it in writing. Put it Especially, in writing. I'll do it in Sanskrit. But that's it. <laughs> Wingdings. <laughs> Wingding. You know it, girl. You know I've been I've been known to turn in to turn in a, a report <laughs> to my boss in Wingdings and dare them to say something about it. But. I will say to bring it back to the movie. So and wingdings sh- and wingdings and Laura Flamoyal. The next scene they cut to is Chris acting as a spokesperson for this company, being like, "We're working out, blah blah blah." And I want to fucking know. This is like 
presumably like a multinational like conglomerate there is the new york office which just sounds like the headquarters they mention a lot they should have an on-staff pr team and a dedicated spokesperson <laughs> why does it go again to chris who literally has been working at the company for two months like May- I- maybe why are you maybe. giving her two months Chris is not Chris. Chris just started, and and don't it forget, seems, it seems Chris, like two weeks to me. Chris was also low key just trying to fuck old boy <laughs> in the fucking waiting pool at and, the yeah, at the local the family picnic. at the family cookout. Yeah, she was legit in the water with him the scene before with that mongoose on her head, <laughs> trying to shoot her shot. And more than shoot, that's more than shooting a shot, by the way. She got in his face. She literally Ooh, said. She led with her breath and she was like, I want to fuck. <laughs> and he was like, I'm good. That was after she had shot her shot and got shot down. So this was yeah. like, this was starting at this point from just an outsider's perspective, beginning to look a little sad. <laughs> also, I'm going to probably get in trouble for saying this, but it's, okay. I also think. Y'all, you're going to get me for this. I also think it's, like, yeah. inappropriate to, like, be wearing, like, I don't know, like, skimpy bikinis are weird for, like, a like a, like a work function to me. And I'm so, I'm, look, I'm just saying, it's, like, it's, like, odd. It's just, like, what's going on? Like, what are we doing here? We're just, like, I would say, I would dog. say it's uncomfortable at any point to go from the office to a situation where that is totally unfamiliar like like you're going swimming and i will say for women it's even more uncomfortable because the expectation of a bathing suit is a lot men can keep their shirts on and just go swimming that way women like you either have to wear a skin tight bathing suit or wear a bikini like the choices aren't good either way because either way your entire coworkers are going to know exactly what your body looks like it's really uncomfortable could a woman wear no <laughs> could a woman wear a v-neck t-shirt tucked into a pair of jinkos and like just go to the, <laughs> and go to the pool what would that be why is it does she want to drown? Why is she wearing jinkos? <laughs> she filling the enormous pockets with cinder blocks because she wants to end it all. God, I was at the beach uh, this summer, and there was like a group of kids that like came down to the beach, and like like youths, and there was like the one kid who was like fully clothed in a pair like denim shorts and like a t shirt. All the friends like got into like states of undress and like got in the water, and I was like, I was you, I guess. <laughs> Like, look, it's uncomfortable. Where you've drawn so much more attention to yourself than you would have if you were just like, it's like, who's in like the who's in that parachute of a t-shirt that they got from like their dad (laughs) that like you're like weighted in? You you may drown in it because it's that heavy, and you're just like, no, I'm comfortable. It's a hazard at this point. <laughs> it feels the same way as it does for you. Um, but you are actually 100% right. It was. It is just like a really like, it's a funny scene. And the other thing that's really funny about the yes. cookout is there's this employee who's just like been a secretary for Charlene forever. And she's mm-hmm. like complaining at the company picnic oh, about them just, the just getting hot dogs. And she's like, oh, a trillion dollar company. And all y'all could bring forward hot dogs. And I'm like, I get you, girl. I get you. 
Absolutely. She's one of my favorite characters in the movie because she's got a lot of good one-liners. She's like, she complains all the time about yeah, being yeah, yeah. a secretary and working for these people who can't um, take care of themselves. I love the hot dog line. And then another line she says earlier when she's talking to Chris is she goes, you know, we do so much for, you know, you know, they can't do anything for themselves. I'm surprised when they, um, what did she say? I'm surprised when they go to the bathroom, they want us to hold it for them. I just fucking. I love my favorite thing is when you like when you start working at a company and you get like if you get in the good graces of like one of the veterans who's like Mm -hmm. not advanced in the company (laughs) and you get like the real piping hot tea because they're very much on your level in terms of like the way that the office is set up so they don't feel this need to create barriers. And they start, like, giving you that good tea. And it's like, yeah, well, I was surprised when she came back after the breakdown. And you're like, what breakdown? So you didn't hear about 97? It's like, no, but I'm I'm not leaving here until I do. I and love... it's so great because you, you learn very quickly why she hasn't advanced in levels. Because <laughs> she's is... a fucking loose cannon. And There's you're like, nothing... you're about to be my office best friend because I'm going to get all the tea from you. There's nothing like ancient office tea. Like, I love when somebody's like, look, let me tell you something, okay? If I remember correctly, this was right after the pilot episode of Friends aired. And you're like, oh, 30 years ago. Okay, let's go. I'm, I'm in. I got a timeline. I'm strapped in. I know what haircut everyone has. Absolutely. She's like, we went to, we as an office, we got tickets to a taping of the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yes, yes. More, more, more. Keep going. It's just like, I am here for it. Tommy, can you hear me? What? What is it? God, cue me as a... <laughs> me as a child wondering why a woman as fabulous as Rosie O'Donnell was single. Like, I remember watching the Rosie O'Donnell show and just being like, man, like, when's she gonna meet, like, when's she gonna when's meet her great guy? When's a good guy gonna snatch her right up? And then her, like, when she started hanging out with Boy George and she came back with that haircut, and I was like, oh. Oh, God, she did what every queer woman has to do, which is as soon as you come out of the closet, you get a haircut that announces to the world my sex life is alternative. And it is everyone, it doesn't look great on everyone. And particularly 10 years later, when you look at the pictures, you think, man, what? What what did I walk into when I walked into the hair stylist and I said, "Give me the queer lady cut." Why did I, I also do that? I also love my sex life's alternative and like cue like <laughs> images of the sex life, which is two people in like t shirts and sweatpants doing crossword puzzles. <laughs> it's like I knew you. I knew you queers were up to no good. <laughs> that's right. That's right, America. Um. So, yeah, so all of this is going on. We're seeing her advance. We also, his second appearance on this podcast, so we have to note it, the icon, the legend, he's more than just wings, baby. We've got Steven Weber. Steven Weber. (laughs) And when I tell you, Steven Weber is a friend of our main character, Peter, and he works at a competing, like, food food conglomerate and you know how it is and he works at a competing food conglomerate and 
when I when I saw his name in the opening credits, I said to Dave, "We will." I was, I was like, it, "Like I like they are the like these two are the same type." So Tim, it was yeah. like, yeah, yes. And then I when I saw them in the first scene, we see them at a sports event together um, with Peter's son um, mm-hmm. from his estranged marriage to Mira Tierney, and we see them together. This say her name again and say. Her- properly Maura Tierney I'm sorry Thank I made a mistake you. I wasn't yeah. sure until I until you got she is America's single mom from the 90s I don't know if we're gonna give her that I what, where's Rhett, where's Rhett the... Butler hold on <laughs> she's under fire right now and, and she's doing it with grace baby <laughs> she always has um, so yeah, we have, so we have Steven Weber and I thought, oh, they're playing brothers. And then I found I, out. I thought their relationship was their brothers at first, but. Well, no. cause they didn't make it clear to us and they look so similar. So it was like, yeah. oh yeah, they're like brothers they who both... work for competing, like, you know, which may have arguably made it a little bit better. The story, yeah, if like. Exactly. And made like, you know, the, the tension higher because it's like, you know, you don't necessarily need to compete with your friend on like the same level that you might compete with a sibling I feel with a like. sibling it could have made it like the ties would have made it like a little bit more juicy and also they both have that great head of 90s hair they both though. have My great God. and they both i well, i don't know about timothy hudden but i know steve Weber still has a really thick head of uh really on his head. i he's, i haven't checked in on well. either of them but they that uh, i would say they're both two very good looking men, but I would say like 70% of their look is just flipping that hair. And I love it's it. It's all like 1990s locks. And I will yeah. say that like something about <clears throat> Steven Weber always feels like, like you're going to find him in 1994 in Seattle. That just feels oh, right to me. Like, absolutely. He gives yuppie, that vibe. Yuppie Seattle, yes. not grunge Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, J. Crew Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Um, back mm-hmm. when it, like, you know, meant something. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's very much, like, that vibe in um, in this movie. And, like... I feel like he also just, like, does, his character doesn't do a lot to move things forward. They don't know what way. to do with him. sort of there. Like also, also though, we have the character of Chris, and then after she starts advancing in the company, Peter sort of sets out to find out about her past, and he goes to a company when he finds out where she worked at, which mm-hmm. is after Sarah, the zoot suit wearing lesbian who works at the firm, mm-hmm. she does a little bit of digging and hey, she finds. Hey, did she ever come out to you? There was a there was a moment where I I remember that scene where they were walking out of the break room and she said, "Hey Peter, can I talk to you? Can I speak my truth to you really quickly over mm-hmm. here in the corner?" And I must have not been on my cop my my VHS copy that I watched. She was wearing um the same zoot suit that Katie Lang wore on the cover of that um <laughs> jazz album that she did. Oh my um, god. Actually, it's really funny that you bring up Katie Lang because when I was looking at the Wikipedia for this movie and I was looking at the critical reception part, I hovered there was like something from Entertainment Weekly and I hovered over the you know how it had like a hyperlink on mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly and they show they give you a little like a little pop up that says like Entertainment Weekly is an entertainment magazine and they have a picture of Entertainment Magazine and it's like a picture of Katie Lang from the nineties and I was like, I'm so delighted that that's what's happening on Wikipedia. I love that that's the one yeah so good so random but like really worked for me katie lang's always worked for me so there's a moment where <laughs> me too girl <laughs> so 
there's a moment where Sarah's talking to Peter because she's uncovered that Chris didn't actually go to Stanford through talking to HR, who apparently gave up the tea. Um, and mm. I also love that Chris doesn't even have like a fake diploma. I love that like she just <laughs> said, I went to Stanford and everybody was like, okay. It was um, that easy in the 90s. Without the internet, nobody could confirm or deny anything. I, oh, I think about this all the time. How much you could have gotten away with in the ways that the systems were hustled in like the yes. 90s and you just could not do it now. So mm -hmm. like Chris, so she's like, Chris didn't actually go to Stanford, which sets Peter off on this search to find out who Chris was. And he goes to a company that she used to work for. And it's just like a really like weird scene as he's trying to like uncover like these like pieces of her past and like find out like where she really like tell, they don't tell us anything about her really they don't tell us anything you think you're going to get some sort of information mm -hmm. and i said to dave and when they go to this office they say oh chris he's like was chris like did she work here and they're like yeah she used to work for like our boss and he was always pawing at her you know but she she you know she was so great and they really liked chris and they're speaking very favorably um about her mm -hmm. to him and then there's a moment where um there's a moment where they're talking about chris and they're like, no, there was another woman who worked here and um, she was pretty awful or something like that. They're talking about another woman who worked here. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, they know they say there was a younger they were like, there was a younger girl mm -hmm. who used to work here, too, though. Um, and she was all over the boss and they used to do a bunch of stuff together. So that maybe who you're thinking of, not Chris. And I thought, oh, my God, Chris killed the other woman. Chris was the younger woman. She killed that other woman and she stole Chris's identity and she stole the, you know, Chris's credentials and moved on to this new company. You and <laughs> there was not that. I thought we were going to get that. No. I kept wanting them to give me something to gnaw on. And they we would. We had nothing to gnaw on. They would not. Also, I, what are you going to say? I was going to say, these scenes just felt unnecessary because they didn't give us any new information. And the most unnecessary scene in this movie is when Peter decides to drop by Chris's house late at night, which is a creepy thing for your boss to do anyways. And I think he's trying to establish that she doesn't have a family, which she ends up not having a family, but she has like on her desk this framed picture of like a man and a kid. And she's like, oh, that's my my daughter and my husband. And so he goes to her, to her house and she, I guess he like knocks on the door, but she doesn't open the door. And so he walks around to the window, which is open. The wind is blowing. The fucking, you know, sheer, the sheer curtains, curtains are, are billowing in the wind. And the camera pans to the bedroom and Chris is lying in a bed in a light pink negligee, satin, absolutely getting her freaking rocks off. Just masturbating till the cows come home. And he watches it for a while and then the neighbor comes by and knocks him on the head and he runs away. And we learn nothing we don't learn like, anything about what's going on it's so useless and also another like there's another really weird moment in the movie there's a lot of things that they put out that are like red herrings mm, and there's yeah. another moment where we're talking we meet the more character peter's working doing some like light lawn work in his front yard 
Maura Tierney shows up. She's dressed in all white to remind us that she's pure. And <laughs> she's basically talking to him about the two of them getting back together, maybe. And he invites her out to dinner. And then we get a, we get a scene where Peter is at the bar with Chris. And he mm. tells her the story of what sort of led to the unraveling of his marriage, which was <laughs> him walking in on his wife, the, the lovely angelic Sharon, mm. having sex with her boss and her boss's wife. Well, and he doesn't say that. That is what he says, isn't it? Oh, honey, no. Okay. What he says was, I, I'll tell the story. So he says, <clears throat> my wife, Sharon, just kept telling me that she wanted a man who would put work or his family before work. And I figured that meant she'd already met someone. So I was paranoid. And I started following her around. And I saw her go into this house and have dinner. And I could hear awkward laughing. And I just knew that she was cheating on me. So I barged into the house, broke down the door, saw her <clears throat> with another couple. And then Chris goes, she was having sex with a man and his wife? And he goes, no, she was having dinner with her boss and his wife and their children. And her mother or and her Sharon was so upset that he embarrassed her in front of his um, in front of her boss that she left him and was like, you priorities all fucked up. Like, I'm out of here. So she never had an affair. And he had an outburst, which is why he was going to see the therapist in the beginning. And they kept calling it like the, um, I forget what they kept calling it in the beginning. Um, oh, you haven't had another one of your episodes recently, meaning like his violent episodes because he became paranoid. Okay. Just so we're clear. <laughs> I watched it and I rewound it and watched it again. And my crazy ass heard <laughs> him say, to hear. I heard him say, I walked in and it was a game of Smash Brothers, but there wasn't any controllers <laughs> and there wasn't a console. It he was my it, wife. He set it up so that it sounded like that. And I guess that's what I heard. And I was taking notes because I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sharon's getting it in. The dirt, she's getting a dirty style. Also, Chris does this thing as well as a secretary, which is like, really, it's like, it's, it's so funny to me that, like, it's excused as much as it is in the movie. First of all, when a person's a liar and, like, a really good liar, then they can explain away anything. But mm -hmm. there's, like, several times in the movie where, where she does things that are just inappropriate. And then she explains them away in this, like, fictionalized, like, version of the future where she was going to make the thing right. So there's, like, so a scene. There's a scene where, like, she's a secretary and he's asked her to, like, go, I think, pick up something from, for, like, from a jewelry store for him. And she just buys, and she buys herself, because, so, essentially, he goes to this, like, bar with her, and then they're leaving, and there's a moment where she sort of leans into him, and it looks sort of suggestive from, like, a distance. And his wife, Sharon, is at a restaurant nearby, and, you know, she confronts him right after Chris walks away, and she's like, Are we, you know, they're trying to mend their relationship, and it's like, who's this woman who's, like, seductively leaning into you? And she also informs him that, like, he says, we're not, what are you doing out? Like, we're not supposed to have dinner tonight. And she's like, we are. And she's like, your secretary clearly has screwed you over. 
meaning that like she's like messed with the reservation or she somehow messed things up to create the scenario where I witness at the restaurant next to the bar that you two just stepped out of. Babe, she doesn't say that at all. No, she, she doesn't just... say that, but uh, I'm saying oh, okay. that's what she's alluding to, the fact that like your secretary, you know, or whoever took down the message about our our like our oh, getting together for dinner. That... But she I I think she thought that she he screwed up the date because she's her thing about him is that he never puts her family. First. Oh no, she no, she said that, but she mentions the secretary and she says something like that leads me to believe that she's thinking like somebody mm. messed this up, and we as the audience are supposed to interpret it as it was obviously Chris, I think. Mm -hmm. But then she says also she mentions the fact that she got a bill because it's 1993 in the mm -hmm. mail from like the local jeweler that basically like. A, the bill basically is like you've been buying jewelry for someone like a women's watch or something like that like you bought like you this is who all the jewelry's been going to or whatever she's this woman and so then he confronts chris about it the next day at the office and chris says oh that yeah i was at the store picking something up for you and i i grabbed a watch for myself because i didn't have i didn't have my purse on me um i charged it to your account and of course i was gonna pay you back i have the check written right here and it's like <laughs> That's always the story. It's like, first of all, Absolutely. that is extremely inappropriate. Like, you do not have the kind of relationship with your boss that you can just be lightly charging things to his account. Yeah, and then like personal like, jewelry purchases. Like, no. Sweetie. Oh, I was gonna get it right back to you. That's and she does it a couple of times in the movie where she does something that's a little bit appalling, and then she like explains it away when she's confronted, and it's like. Oh, I was going to tell you about it, but you were in the middle of that big meeting. And then I forgot. I, I can take care of it right now. She's like from that school of like, do what you want and apologize later. Exactly. Which like maybe got away when you, you know, she got away with a lot with that pretty face in the 90s. But it's 2022 and we aren't buying shit. Yeah, we're looking at it with a different lens. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the five, I, I, I did, I had, I written. I wrote in my note at some point when I was watching this, I was like, she has an explanation for absolutely everything. And yes. then the one of the last lines he says to her is, Chris, you have an answer to everything. And I was like, yeah, she fucking does. And it's all bullshit. There's like, that's like the moment at the end of the movie when like the big epiphany that he has after that big showdown in the cookie factory that ends up with like Charlene dying, by the way. That's how yeah. he ends up getting this position is like, Faye Dunaway dies. Faye but before she dies, dies, she says to him, because he suspects her because Chris has set it up so it looks like Charlene's the bad person. But as she's falling from the great in the cookie factory into what i can only assume is a vat of cookie dough no she just she falls goes, into like a slat of like it's like yeah, a pallet right. it's like a stack of pallets she just falls which yeah. kills her by the way it doesn't just like which, it doesn't injure her it like ends her life yeah she's done she's done so but as she's falling she goes the pictures and you're like what what do you mean the pictures and then we find out when when Peter is moving into Charlene's office, there's a stack of pictures, like picture <laughs> frames that are being like her stuff. Her her assistant is uh, is putting all of her pulling all of her things out of the office to make room for Peter to move in. And he sees a stack of picture frames, and inside of the picture frames, there are the that photo of the kid and the man that was on Chris's desk. That was the photo of that was the photo that she her said family. was her of her family. And Peter realizes seeing six of these photos with the same picture in them, he has a moment where he's like, 
oh, like she's been lying. She's been lying about having a family once again. He confronts her when she comes into his office and she's like, Peter, lots of girls do it. Or they wear fake wedding rings. It's how you keep the men away that are trying to paw you at the office. She tries to make him sound crazy for quite Yeah, a it's like once again. And then this is when we get like the ending of the movie, which is him effectively just being like, you know what? No more games, no more lies. You're fired. And then the movie ending. And, and then like, the movie what? ends. We don't even get a shot of her face after he finds no. her. It's just she's, done. She's done. Let's consider she's this done. a clerical error. And so are the writers. Everybody's <laughs> done. The writers were done before they started the rewrite. <laughs> that's clearly. True. Yeah. And yeah. that's how the movie ends. And you're literally left there seated thinking, what? <laughs> like, so many things unanswered. And what a fucking way to go. There's just like so Which is another many... um, episode that we did. What a way to go. Great oh, movie. Check out our back. episode. Watch the movie. I don't know how... It was a long time ago, but you can find it. it was you one. should find it. Also, worth mentioning, There's a, they were playing a game of like one-on-one basketball. And I was watching and I was thinking to myself, I have no idea how basketball works. I have <laughs> no idea. Like if somebody well, the... gave me a basketball and was like, like go, out, go out on the court. Like do some... Do some hops and bounces. I would be some like, hops and bounces. I would be like, I have no idea. I have no idea where to begin. And like when I was in school, I always took like the classes with the riffraff who like didn't want to, didn't play any sports or anything, and we just sat on the bleachers. And our and the teacher who also teaches a computer class, who's always a coach who teaches a computer class, he comes out. He would come out in the middle of the court, and he would just pull out a netted bag full of random balls, and he would empty them in the middle of the court, and it was essentially just like, do your worst. And then I would sit on a bench in the corner with, like, a couple of, like, the other, like, weird gay kids. And we just wait for the agony to be over. And uh, and I just remember, like, once or twice, like, one of those kids being like, oh, you want to, like, you want to, like, shoot hoops? And I was like, God, like, no, like, what are you saying? And <laughs> in, in no way. In no way. And that was until I realized when somebody, I got wind from one of my friends that you could test out a PE. Then oh. your boy went over to the nurse's office and I was like, show me that book. And, what uh, kind of like a written test? Yeah, like a written test, and oh, I just underwrote. I mean, I never really did PE in school, but I kind of had like a sports dad. Whereas, like, my dad really likes sports, and he definitely baseball and football. Like, those were always playing in my house. Not basketball a ton, but he liked to play basketball. So when I was younger, we would play. But I I know the rules of those sports, like. But I'm not like as invested in them. And particularly, I know, I would say I know the least about basketball. And one time I was at, this was like, I don't even know how many years ago, over 10 years ago, I was at someone's house and there's a basketball game on. And I was like trying to relate to, like, someone had left the room and it was just me and another person who I didn't really know very well. And they were very focused on the game. And I was trying to chat with them and relate. And I referred to the basketball court as the stage. <laughs> and he was like, um. <laughs> That's absolutely not what it's called. It's like, nice try, lesbian. <laughs> also, we didn't mention him in this movie, but there is Dwight Schultz, the actor, plays a character of Roger, who is a really oh. intense and hot-headed <laughs> member of the crew of execs. And there's a moment when they're in the cookie factory doing taste tests, and he's constantly <laughs> popping off. And there's a moment where they're in the cookie factory, they're doing these taste tests, and then, like, somebody makes a suggestion about, like, tweaking something in the cookie. 
and the the like scientist who's made these cookies is like, oh, I don't, like I, I don't think I can do that. And he's like, it's not like splicing DNA or anything. And he's like <laughs> blowing a gasket. And then there's a moment later in the movie when he confronts Peter about something, and he's screaming at Peter. And then Peter starts screaming at him. And then he gets this shocked look on his face, like, uh oh, Mister Hyde's coming back. And Peter's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why are you sorry? You just matched energy. He came at you wildly. He's been screaming at everybody the whole movie. And then he has a nerve to be clutching his pearls when somebody gives him a little bit of bass back. There's absolutely zero, zero interactions with Roger that don't escalate into him popping off like a motherfucker. He is literally wound so tight in this incredibly high-stress world. Portland cookies. Portland cookies. He literally cannot take the heat and has to get out of the kitchen over and over again. Until and, he like is found dead. He like and like well, hung he, strung up in a <laughs> building or something. Well, they try to imply that he dies by suicide because he like and apologies for the morbid explanation, but he is hanging from the ceiling and he, he has this like weird thing going on where Peter goes up to his office to tell him something and Roger has died by suicide and he's hanging and he has his computer going and I honestly do not think that computers had the ability to do this in 1993 but there's like it's a black screen and there's green writing that keeps like auto-populating over and over again and it's Roger's voice and it's like he's reading his own suicide note and he keeps saying over and over again we are entrenched in a terrible quagmire of negative publicity (laughs) and he's like trying to explain that he died by suicide and made this choice because because of that cookie uh, incident at the grocery store that cookie incident where they were spitting blood and it's like he, I mean, for his character, it actually makes sense because he was, he was reaching such heightened levels of, of anger and frustration. There was only one way to go. It was like, you either leave the job one way or another, you know what I mean? I mean, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that's, I guess, just the way the cookie crumbled for, um, for old Raj. Um, but... On that note, I mean, I think, you know, you all, you got enough. You got a little bit of a teaser. You, If you want to go check it out, then I'd say go give it a rent. But you, it is a, the a movie. A little bit of the teaser plus the whole plot. And plus the whole plot. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was 1993's Tom Holland, The Tenth. And mm-hmm. uh, Jane, I have a question for you. I, I have an answer. Would you watch this movie again? I would absolutely watch this movie again. Yeah, me too. It's a it's a good one. It was a lot of it's fun. You you get a little sprinkle in a plat in there. It's it's a good yeah. time. Also, I will say Oliver Platt horrifying horrifyingly underutilized. He's got like one line in the movie and then gets killed by a bee because he's allergic. Not he's so good at being that sort of '90s sleazy office guy, and he could have stuck around for a lot longer. I wish they'd used him more. But other than that. Would it was a fun, happily watch this movie again. It was a fun flick. Um, and mm-hmm. my second question for you is: uh, Do you have a movie that you want me to watch for next week? Do you? My my, my answer to that is: Are you, you wearing your fucking seatbelt? 
Uh-oh, 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 let me strap it. Oh, strap it. Okay, so as you know, we have completed spooky season, and we've gone through the, obviously this is the future for us, but very real time for our listeners. We've gone through that awkward Thanksgiving season of which there's only one Thanksgiving movie that we can think of. Um, so we didn't do it and we've both seen it. <laughs> so now we are entering into the holiday season and I have my first holiday movie for you. And I want to know, my first question is, are you ready? Oh, oh my God. Is this really, is this the holiday movie already? Yes, you don't read your. I did. No, I did. You. I no. You're right. I did. I just forgot mm-hmm. about it. I forgot about it. No, I totally read it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ready, Jane. Well, you better get ready because okay. next week we're gonna watch. Hold on, let me verify the name. Oh, okay, that's promising. <clears throat> okay, I just didn't remember if it was a or the. Sure. Sure. And this is a movie that I have not seen either, but I know we both have not seen it because we've talked about it. We are going to be watching 2015's A Christmas Melody. Oh. All right. Do you know which joint this is? Yeah, I do. This is that Mariah Carey joint. This is that Mariah Carey joint. And I cannot wait to... Brandon and I have been talking about watching this movie for a long time, and we just haven't gotten around to it, so I felt like the perfect scenario no this seems like a a really good time and i'm really excited Mm -hmm. amazing well thank you to everybody who um made it to the end of this episode i hope you enjoyed the temp i hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about it i hope you watch it because it is definitely worth it um we appreciate you we love you if you want to continue to make virtual love to us through social media you can follow us on instagram and facebook at movies we missed and you can follow us on twitter at mwmchat and we will see you next week for our first holiday season movie a christmas melody we love you bye Bye. We Do anything for you, Peter.